I'm here with the legendary. Y'all watch the show, so y'all already know how I feel about this guy I'm about to introduce. Um, here with Odyssey, man. What's up? I'm good, man. <laughs> man, how do you describe your musical style? Because I mean, I already know what you're capable of as an MC. I've been a fan of you since was it Diamond and Rough, and then Mental Liberation. Them like my first two, first two projects I got dived into you, but like. Production-wise, like I would consider you more of like of a tribe type of inspiration. Is that is that like where you get your inspiration from? It comes from a lot of different things. Like uh, there's a song I, ca I came out with called Killing Time, and the first uh, couple lines in that song is "Grew up on that rap a lot, grew up on that native tongue." That's mm. that's pretty much it. I don't know how familiar you are with the D.C. area as far as Maryland, Northern Virginia, D.C. But most of us in that area originate from North Carolina or the Southern Virginia or deeper South. So there's this connection with Southern music, but because we're like the gateway to the, to the North, there's this influence from the North at the same time. We really did grow up listening to Tribe, but also grew up listening to, you know, Ghetto Boys. Scarface is huge in D.C., huge. He's like a god in D.C. Like, there's a huge connection with Southern music in the District of Columbia, especially with Go-Go. A lot of the Go-Go tempos now mirror music that comes from the South at, at like a half tempo. Lyrically, I lean more towards the North. Production-wise, I started off with the North, but having that influence of chord progressions and live music coming from D.C., which is a live music town, had more Southern roots. So the, the lead synthesizers and the chords and the rolling bass matched with lyricism that was favored more so on the East Coast. It's kind of where I got my sound from. Good fight, you can hear it almost. Good fight, and also congratulations on that album with uh, Finale, Eyes and Hands. I can hear, I can hear some of that simp and that live interpretation on that. So that, that's made, dope that you got with Finale for that record. Over seven years ago. Seven years. All of those beats <laughs> on that record are seven years old. I turned that that record in almost seven years ago. It just came out now. Wow, are you serious? I'm thinking this was like fresh. <laughs> fresh out the oven. Yeah, fresh out the oven. Like, damn, he got a finale. Like, oh, that's, think, that's dope. And I think that's um. With you saying that, I think that's one of the things I like about your music because it has this timelessness, timelessness to it. And um, when I was driving in, I was thinking about Rock Creek Park. And one of the one of the things I like about that album is that it feels like when my son is digging through my albums as he get older, it feels like he'll discover that listeners are like, oh man, this is tight. Like who is this? You know, because I remember doing that. You know, when I was growing up with my dad and going through his stuff, and just finding those the, that music that's just timeless. So for you to say that. Was turned in seven years ago. It kind of speaks to that. How did you hook up with you know YU and X Town Uptown XO as far as the, the form of Diamond Edition? Because I'm a huge fan of YU oh, too. People, oh man, people, that's, man, yeah, yeah like he tell you like man, but, YU. Yeah, but both of us, man, we're we're oh, like yeah. real big fans of you, Mellow Music Group, everything. Like we always champion uh, what you guys are doing. Like it's, the quality is so high. Um, with every single project you guys put out, it's it's unbelievable. Um, so yeah, I just wanted to get that in because you know I know he, you know B was like, yeah man, I'm a big fan. This that I didn't get a chance to say anything, you know, you know, let me let, let me let him know, you know how much I like his work too. Yeah, I just like to see y'all, y'all like. I guess how I would say like similar but different at the same time because y'all all have y'all each own individual styles but to see y'all form that group 
and to make two incredible albums is like, oh, man. man, like how did that come about? Underground hip hop in specific and mainstream at the time, starting to get a lot more experimental with uh, synthesized sounds, like ambient sounds. A lot of uh, European influences making its way into more of like a glitchy sound, atmospheric sound and rap. And I'm a fan of all of that, from Flying Lotus to Hudson Mohawk, you know, which was really jumping. And I said to myself, as an opportunist, this is a perfect time to do a throwback record because it'll stand out in the midst of everything that's being progressive. So I said, I want to make a retro record because it'll stand out right now. And I said, all right, now I know I want to do that, but what kind of, what do I want to do? Let's make a group record because people don't make group records no more. Yeah. I said, okay, group record, retro, boom, bap. How are we going to do this? It's like, all right, let's make a DC rap group that reflects the whole DC, Maryland, and Virginia area from all angles. Where myself, I'm from Prince George's County, Maryland, which is uh, the wealthiest, uh, concentration of the wealthiest African-Americans in the United States. It's a rich black suburb. It's also home to the largest gap between rich and poor economically. And Uptown XO is born and bred in DC. My family comes from DC and moved out to the suburbs. YU is why we call it the DMV. Why we call it one area because he was born in DC like myself, went to high school with me, but then things changed and his mother moved to Virginia. And then Virginia, they moved back to DC. Then he moved out Montgomery County for a bit, then he moved back to PG. And he is the embodiment of why we call it that, because he circulated around. So it was the side of the story, the dude from Maryland, from the suburbs, the dude from the inner city, and the dude that floated around in between all of it. And we wanted what you said, very different, but similar. So size of a coin to tell a story. We all grew up listening to a lot of rap where we knew, we knew what Decatur was, we knew what College Park was, we knew what Fifth Ward was in Houston, we knew what Port Arthur was, we knew what Crenshaw was, we knew what Queensbridge and Marcy and Flatbush. Where was that for DC? We didn't have one, so we decided let's make a record where we do that for us. And that, that was how we was born. Wow. We knew each other from the open mic scene in DC. You know? By me being from Detroit, you know, I got I got a feel from what you know how DC is, besides the go-go scene, you know, right, right, right. but listen to that album, it really put me in like that. God, I'm I'm in DC right now. Like when I listen to Illmatic, I'm in New York right now. That's, when that's I listen, you know what I'm saying? So that y'all did a great job in capturing that for me. It was the second track on um, on the Good Fight, and you said um, glorifying music that's abusive to us. Glorifying music that's abusive and a threat to us. And a threat to us. If you got a message in your records, you collect the dust. When it comes to music, and especially with hip hop, you look at like a lot of the popular music, you look at the, the Chicago area and the stuff that they're pumping out, and I understand every city, every section want to tell its story, but it seems like we've lost kind of our way a little bit when it comes to music. So when, when that line, when I heard that line, man, that, like that's what I like about your music because, you know, you, you focus on, you know, positivity and you try to put out good messages and vibes and stuff like that, which is something that I think we're sorely needed. And I think that's why people gravitate towards Kendrick Lamar so much because he's he's kind of reinstilling that in in um in hip hop. The good fight for me was a record about an unconscious fight. Something that you just normally do habitually because it feels good to you, but you don't even realize that you're preserving or preventing or fighting for something. And that's what the term meant. All things that are worth fighting for, in a sense, you don't even realize you're fighting for. Them. 
Every song is about a different battle that's worth fighting for, whether it be between friends or loved ones or with self or, or with pro progress, all things worth fighting for and attack from different angles is basically the premise of the record. People were always telling me, you're carrying a torch and thank you for making the type of music you need, we need someone to do it. And the whole time I'm like, I wasn't consciously saying I got to fight for this. And I do a lot of interviews where people say, you know, you are a champion of this and that. I was like, well, thank you. I didn't know. This is just what I like to make. Right. And I guess I was like, oh, wow, I just like making this. But for other people, I'm fighting something for them. But it's just good music to me. Good fighting, you know? You don't really necessarily think about being labeled a conscious rapper or anything like that, does not Human beings need to categorize things in order to comprehend them because we fear what we don't understand. It makes it easier for us to process things. So put me in a box. Just put me in as many boxes as possible. I don't go around boasting to people, I've been in the game forever, check my catalog. I prefer for people to know me for what they want to know me for. There's X amount of people that don't know that I produce. They only know me as a rapper. And there's X amount of people that only, you know, know me as a producer or vice versa. Then there's people who, their favorite thing for me is Diamond District and they don't really mess with anything else. Or there's other people whose favorite thing is Rock Creek Park and then they kind of like everything else. I don't try to persuade them. Hmm. I made all of it. I'm fine. Right. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. You know, whatever you categorize it, are you listening? Do you like it? Yeah. That's it's all that matters at the end of the day. It's yeah. all that matters as long as you putting out the good music and people like it, yeah. you know, you can catch this guy and call it what you want. The other day, he said, man, Rock Creek Park, love that mixtape. <laughs> what? <laughs> mixtape? Mix right. I listened to this guy's uh, record last night. Uh, real dope. It's, uh, I forgot his name. I went on the record, went on the SoundCloud, and then it was labeled EP. It was 12 tracks. <laughs> Mixtape, <laughs> LP, EP, these are now interchangeable words. Right. Yeah. Just, should we keep correcting people? Do they like the music? Right, right, exactly. All of those formats are obsolete now with digital formats yeah, and playlists. Yeah, right. So they don't even know how to use those terms anymore. That's crazy. So are we going to get caught up in constantly telling them about something that's archaic and outdated, which is irrelevant? Or are we just going to keep it moving and just make music? Yeah, right. I don't get caught up in it. I just I laugh to myself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? <laughs> <laughs> it don't matter. It's a release. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, latest, it's latest, a project. Latest project. Latest release. Right. <laughs> latest recording. Like you know, it's a whole bunch yeah. of other words we can use, man. Because those those terms are becoming outdated. I kind of wonder about the 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 artist that goes out there and call and you know a twelve track project an EP. It's like. How how are we not kind of, kind of educated, uh, yeah. you know, <laughs> the, the, digital, the digital age? Right. Think about it though, man. <laughs> Those terms come from vinyl records. Right. Yep. Long play and extended play. Mm -hmm. That's true. They're from vinyl and we're still using them. We, we use them to define CDs, which had over 72 minutes of play on them. They're all long play. They're on CDs, mm -hmm. but we were still using CD and LP. And then we go into the digital era and we're still using vinyl terminology. But that's America. We still determine, determine how fast the car is by saying horsepower. Right. When's the last time we used horses? That's what's beautiful about English, you know? Oh, how much horsepower it got? 
But when they first invented the car, when you had that farmer, you like, listen, see this, this is the equivalent right, right, right. of 40 horses. Right. <laughs> Give me two of them. Like, yeah. And we still using that term. Like, that's crazy. That you was know, people. Like, you know, horsepower, LP, EP. Like, hey, that's true though. Yeah. You know? It's all about perspective. Right, right, right. <laughs> I am, man. I'm like, like super old. I'm sorry, bro. <laughs> I am the destroyer of worlds, bro. Because, <laughs> you know, I see it, but it's like, come on, man. Can we at least get it right? Like, it's easy. Do, what, what, but is it right, though? Say, do but, your Googles? But this is my thing, though. Is it right, though? It's, like, I mean, it's, it's antiquated. It's antiquated. It. I guess there's a definition for it. Like, if you look up the definition of EP and LP, there's a there's definition, a definition <laughs> for, for what they are. For it. Yes. They shouldn't just loosely use You're still going by that textbook. That's yeah. a problem. You're still going by that textbook, But man. listen, but this is English, man. Bad means good. Yeah. You know? There you go, see? <laughs> this, is, Touch, this, is, <laughs> this is English. Look, look, yeah. You know? The bad means good in English. Yeah, man. You know what they call a flashlight in England? What's that? Torch. Mmm. Wow. You know what they call a coat room in England? Cloak room. Mm. Wow. You know what's the word for car in French, in Canadian French? Wagon. Wow. They still use the word wagon. Mm. This is language. Some yeah. things just get stuck and then right. misused. It's just the way it is, man. Sorry, man. Do you see like technology being a big influence or like I guess kinda like how you used to make music maybe, you know, eight years ago mm. compared to now? Like is it do you are you the type of person who's like, oh I still gotta use this kind? Or are you a type that be like, I wanna be a wizard and everything mm. that works, or are you a type that's like I'm comfortable in this, I do what I do in that? I'm a minimalist at heart. Mm -hmm. I don't like to have a lot of things. When it comes to music gear, whatever is in my head, I want to be able to get out. The minute I can't get an idea out of my head, I look towards new technology to help me do mm -hmm. it. But as long as what's in here comes out, I don't update. I've essentially used the same format for the past seven, eight years to make music. Um, I use Pro Tools to make music. And I like it because I can make music anywhere. I sit in the van, the plane, the train, I got my laptop, my headphones on, and I just work. You know, so I was happy to get rid of a lot of my outboard gear. You know, uh, I got over, I, got, I think I got maybe like 3,000 records. I left them back in Maryland when I moved to New York. I don't have no records in my house. I try to have as few things as possible. What is that? We hold on to the past so much it gets in the way of us experiencing the present and being conscious of the future. This idea that we have to preserve a certain thing that may not necessarily make sense, you know, and I'm gonna get crucified for this. But there are people who say to me, man, I still use, you know, SP-1200 to make beats. It's fine, that's great, I love the SP-1200. Nothing comes close to the sound that comes out of that grittiness, that, that bit reduction in the drums and the samples. But as a person who started off with analog instruments, as a person who my first studio experiments was through Gary Scheider from Parliament Funkadelic, who had an analog studio in his basement with my neighbor and I grew up with his sons. I grew up making music trying to emulate the analog sound mm. to the point where I felt comfortable that I did it. That whole Diamond District record was done on a computer. There was no beat machine involved in it. 
when I let go of them, I felt liberated. I felt free to be more expressive in my music and my art because I wasn't trying to maintain. I had all kinds of invisible walls and rules. Right. Only sample a beat break from the record. If you don't own the record, you can't use that break. Suddenly that break was on a CD or a compilation or YouTube. And I was like, I can't take it from that. Why not? <laughs> I started realizing in the end of the day, the only thing that matters is if people like the music, the song. And that's when everything switched in my head when I said, why does rap music reduce itself to beats and rhymes? No other genre reduces itself to beats and rhymes. You don't go on a rock record and when you interview a rock artist, you say, you know, which one do you prefer? Making the beats or the rhymes? They just like making songs. Yeah. There's a songwriter and a producer and they get together and they make songs and people critique the song. But only in rap do we reduce our art to beats and rhymes. And I said, you know what, I'm just gonna be a hip hop artist. I wanna focus on songs. Because underground rappers do not focus on songs. You get the worst production, but just because they know they're lyrically gifted, they think they're God's gift to earth and they can rap on anything and we're supposed to just like it, but the beats are trash. Mm -hmm. Or the beats are so amazing, you get this garbage MC, but just because the beat is so hot, we're supposed to like it, mm -hmm. but the rap is trash. What happened to worrying about songs? And when I cut back worrying about all this stuff, like what beat machine I use, what my vinyl collection is, and all of these rules and invisible walls, I felt more expressive. You don't own any records? I don't own any records, man. My <laughs> converted most of my stuff to MP3. Most of my library's been converted. Uh, I trade hard drives with people when I travel who's converted mm. their stuff. You're embracing wow. the digital age. A hundred percent. My whole studio is in my backpack outside. If I bring it into you right now, I've got an Apollo duet for an interface. Oh, the interface, yeah, I know. I've got a Bluebird microphone, mic stand, a mini keyboard for, uh, for MIDI instruments. Yeah. I got a fully decked out customized MacBook Pro with as much memory, mm. it, it's just stupid strong. I got Pro Tools 12, I got everything. I can literally right now go to my hotel room, write a song, record it, make a beat, record the whole thing, mix it down in my, <laughs> in my monitors, take my camera, my T4i and my <laughs> Fuji X100, shoot a video for it, edit it in Final Cut Pro, and release a video on an EP within a week. And it's in my backpack. I'm, why would I not <laughs> right, right. embrace that? Right. <laughs> I, mean, I know I'm old school, man. It's all good because I think as a, as a person that like to collect. So do, yeah. do you think there's a difference, difference between collecting and holding on? Holding on and collecting are two different things. If I was a vinyl collector, a DJ, someone who's passionate about, passionate about records, I would love to have a beautiful array of, of records on display. But I'm not a collective person in general. That's not to disrespect anybody who is. Right. All my, tons of my homies are collectors, and I lean on them for their collection. <laughs> you know, and I love looking through their collections. Right. Collections, but when it comes to me and going into my house, I love looking at the uh, just space and not having a lot of things, but just the bare necessities of what I need. And that's what I'm into. And I've got plenty of homies who be like, man, you could do a piece of furniture in that corner, <laughs> you know? <laughs> but this is not me, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. You know, my wife would love if I was like that. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm interested in the idea because yeah. I think there's something to looking at 
say for instance a desk and that the only thing that's on this is, is a laptop or walking into a house and the only thing that's on there is just the the, the bare essentials. Yeah. You know, when I look at that other people or look at certain, mm -hmm. you know, um, you know, CEOs or something that yeah. kind of live by that and you look at their house and it's just spotless. Like everything is meticulous. Oh, yeah. You know, I'm interested in that. That is I'm definitely like, my apartment. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a poor clean. executor <laughs> though. <laughs> ah, that's crazy. Spick and span clean. My wife is the same way as me. Like, she's worse than me. Like she wants to throw away more stuff than already in the house. Yeah. She's already mad at what's in there. She's more of a minimalist than I am. Yeah, hey, that's crazy. So you, you really like to collect, hold on to stuff, you think? She calls me a hoarder. What else do you say? She I don't like. She said I don't like to hold on to to let go of anything. I have papers. I have <laughs> just some of all kind of stuff just in a filing cabinet. I take my papers. I scan all of them. I put them in a document folder. I throw them away. He's <laughs> embracing the. I get I get sponsored most of my clothing every year. The clothing that I get sponsored when the season changes, I fold it up. I donate it to charity. I write it off for my taxes. I don't keep anything. I'm traveling right now for the next for the next uh, two months. I got a carry-on bag and a backpack. I got a tech bag with all my beer and my, my suitcase is a carry-on. I have five outfits that I can change into that I wash my clothes once a week for the next two months. That's it. Wow. So, How long like, have you been like that? Huh? How long have you been like yeah. that? I've been like that for a long time, man. Right. <laughs> like, long I need time. to get like that. I, I do too. <laughs> right? you know, I know it will make the home happy, but but uh, yeah, yeah. I, I, I got it. I got it. Seven pairs of socks, two pairs of pants, uh, seven t-shirts, a sweater, and a jacket and a scarf. Because I'm going from the north to the south right, to right. the west coast, and I'm going to Asia. And when I end up in Australia, it's going to be summer. So I get down to the t-shirt when it's real hot. I put the sweater on with the cardigan if it's real cold with the jacket. Yeah. It's somewhere in between, depending on the weather. I just wash clothes once a week. Check my Instagram. You're gonna see the same guy <laughs> for the next two months. <laughs> Man, I, I can't throw away clothes. I can't throw away shoes. Yeah, try it. Yeah, try it. Try it. You won't miss it. You won't miss it. Honestly, it's like you tell myself. So light. It was so light. And, and I love technology. Like I should be scanning everything but because. You don't. That's, but yeah, it's just something, I don't know, man. I got, you will feel light. All right, I'm gonna try, I'm gonna try. Yeah, do something, Ken. Don't do nothing with the records. Start with the uh, with the papers. Do, yeah, one, do one month with all the papers you keep, you scan them and do a document, and do documents, put just one month. Just papers. Start with right. that, see how you Start feel. with the papers. Yeah. I go through the, the, yeah. the filing cabinet. <laughs> and I'll report it and I'll let you know. <laughs> <laughs> Like you were talking about labeling. I always label like you and Black Milk as like just like artists. Like I don't say you're a rapper or you're a producer. I always la label you two guys particularly because y'all like my two favorites. I appreciate it. As far as like just an overall artist is you two guys. And I always think like, do you, I guess, and the reason why I label you that is because you know, I guess the progression of your style of production, the style you're rapping, I think you and Black Milk rapping has gotten like better from the earlier days to now, production wise. Do people kind of like give you that same type of plug? Like, hey, you, uh, like, I'm labeling you as an artist, and I always just label you as a flat out artist. I honestly don't know. I don't know. I, I would like to think so, but in my heart of hearts, I know that I'm probably still considered a producer MC to most people. <clears throat> and I'm, I'm fine with that. I say all the time, there's plenty of MCs and rappers who make better rhymes than me, who rap better than me. There's plenty of producers who are better producers than me. But who's making better songs? Right. 
that's yeah. a whole other category of better songs. And I, I, you know? I can see that progression from yeah. from you from the from the Down and Rub days to like now, like. Yeah. Even when we was talking about the good fight, I'm like, dude, this dude is really crafting great songs. Yep. I was telling Mike, like, he is really crafting great. Not saying that what you was crafting was whack, you know, but it's like comparing to, from then to now was like, I was listening to good fight, like, damn, like he is really making a great song, and he's really talking about. He's really spitting some some real shit. Like, that's you know what I'm saying? Same thing with March on Washington. Yeah, like he was like, he's really they really spitting some ill shit. Him and YU and, and, and Uptown XO, they were just like. They really crafting songs at the same think, time. Yeah, yeah, the, the songs you're talking about, like, mm -hmm. but I think it was uh, "Want Something Done." Yeah. I think that has that breakdown towards yes. the end. Yeah, yeah, where it kind of breaks down. Mm -hmm. I think all the instruments drop out, and then it switches. Yeah, and then it comes back. And, man, I was like, yeah. oh my god, this is <laughs> killing yeah, it. That was in like your top five. Yeah, 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 that's what. Yeah. It, and I think we said that yeah. in the review. It was like, dude, this dude Ozzy is. Like it's musical. It's like a right. Musical. Yeah, 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 yeah. I said yeah, that about yeah. your instrumental beauty and all. I was yeah. like, yo, this, this ain't no yeah. fucking instrumental album. This, <laughs> this is like a musical, like this is a musical section. Like you know what I'm saying? Like I put this on. I'm like, that's what I'm I not just listening. I want this yeah. to be considered a serious art form. Right. Because what we're doing with production, I think is genius in in rap music, and I think that hip hop is the greatest form of American poetry and modern literature that we have that's not respected as such. Yes, you know what we do with metaphors and similes and play on words and double entendres and it's just lyrical acrobatics on a whole level level. The dexterity, the cadence, what's being done right now is not being appreciated for the art that it is. Regardless of what the subject matter is, but it doesn't get revered as that because we reduce it to beats and rhymes. You know? Do you think that's the main reason? Well, I think a lot of people focus on the negativity of rap music, so it gets overlooked. But even in the the most negative of material, there's some form of expression that's genius. Yeah. You know? I was reading an article in the car today about a young thug debate on is he evolving language as the first rapper to communicate in a post-text language world. Yeah. <laughs> it was a very far reach. <laughs> While he's getting past the point of using clear words because he's truly being able to express emotion through tonality mm -hmm. now is it an evolution it's a very interesting <laughs> right. debate it is interesting. and then I thought to myself before I read that article how much of James Brown did we understand mm -hmm. and I was like yo is you James Brown for trap music that's interesting bro. I was like Dang, and I thought about that a minute ago when I heard the I was like we didn't understand James Brown. We laugh at that was what's happening to And we love to groove to it. Yet we we fucking crucified young thug. I was like, is this another continuation of black expression? But based on the way it's being presented to us, we're rejecting it. Because we had no problems with it when it came to James Brown. But there was a level of musicality that came to James Brown that makes it easier to digest. But come on, do we know what Michael Jackson was saying? Yeah. Yeah. Show on that one. Yeah, that is true. Do we know what he's saying? That, no, well, we're okay with it. Yeah. And he was flamboyant. And he was flamboyant too. Like he wore yeah. like real. Yeah, like, yeah, like, yeah, he was. He was. Yeah, he was. So was <laughs> so was Little Richard. So was yeah. so was James Brown. Prince. Prince. <laughs> Prince wearing ice skating outfits. On. <laughs> well, we're okay with yeah. it. Right, right. I don't. I, I don't know. It's always been me to don't judge a book by its cover if you don't read. Like right. I can't 
really hate it because I have to play devil's advocate. It's just in my nature stuff. That's where I got my rap name from. Art I see, read between the lines. Mm. You know, see things, see things between the two. And I, I've just been that way. How you feel? <laughs> James Brown and Young Thug. How you feel? Talk to James me. James Brown, yes. Uh, Young Thug, no. Young Thug, interesting. Yeah, I think I was, <laughs> <laughs> that was, that was probably, safe. That was safe. But, but, but it's true yeah, because, you know, I pay attention to a lot of the music that's, that goes on here locally. Right. You know, the trap music and, and the different musical styles about what's popping. You know, whether or not I completely like it or enjoy it or maybe even appreciate, you know, uh, some of the content itself. But I still like to pay attention. Young Thug, I was just needed something to pass time while I was on the, on the grass, on the lawn. And Young Thug came on. I was like, this is crazy because this dude is kind of like, he's not really talking. He's not really rapping. He's like all over the place. You know, he has this weird type of cadence to him. And I stopped. And I call my boy Yo, cause he paid. He, he's also is in the scene. And I was like, Yo, you heard this dude, Young Thug? And I was kind of laughing and joking. I was like, This dude's gonna probably blow up, man, cause there's something about him that's interesting and that will appeal to people because they wanna wanna know what what is Young Thug and what is he about. Then you throw on everything else that goes with him, and he becomes this interesting character. And people are infatuated with him, similar to how they're infatuated with Fetty Wap. And you know, so, um, so yeah, I think Young Thug is interesting. I don't know about his longevity, but oh, that, that's a whole other question. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but the article, the article about them saying, okay, so Young Thug is he, you know, ev you know, creating this different type of style, this evolutionizing, you know, rap to the point where we don't have to understand what they're saying. I don't know if I like that. Now, I get what they're saying, but I don't know if I, I like that framing. Yeah. You know, I think it, it it's, a, it's a tad bit problematic mm -hmm. because, you know, we, we need to understand what people are saying and, you know, who knows what he can usher in behind him. You know, because Young Thug did it. Right. You know, especially with this level of popularity. Yeah. yeah. You know he's super popular too. Yeah, and we get enough flack for, you know, the way we talk anyway. Fair you know, so yeah, that, nah. fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> fair enough. Yeah. It's interesting to be. I, I don't have a, a side on it. Yeah, I just yeah, yeah. pose questions. Like, yeah, okay. no, no, yeah. That might be a good conversation. No, it is a good conversation. Be, like yeah, when yeah. he said that, I, I would love and I, I would love to read the article because I like to. It was on Wire. Wire. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I love to read it. I, I read up on Young Thug because the way that people kind of were, were, were attracted to. Yeah. You know, and, and I'm, I'm interested in, in how certain waves and trends come in and the reasons why people follow those certain waves and trends. Man, I think I think it's fascinating. Like he is single-handedly questioning the evolution of, of language and music. He's attacking black homophobia. Yes. You know, I think it's interesting. I just sit and observe. Yeah. You know? Yeah, it's very challenging. It's challenging to 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 the art form. It's challenging to people that follow the art form. It's been like you said about you know homophobia. Yeah. Like we have to address you know these fears and, yeah. and find some level of comfort within Lord, ourselves. Like Lord Jamar said all the time in interviews about his fear of the homophobic that I guess young thug is portraying. You know, yeah. in, in black in black men in the inner city community. So right, right, right. Yeah, you're right. That's 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 a good point, man. It's it's interesting. Yeah. He's an interesting character. I, I just sit back and observe, yo, for real. I genuinely, I don't care what other people do. Right. Just, I got me and mine over here. Right. As long as they're good, you can, 
do whatever you want. You can make whatever songs you want. I don't care. Yeah. I just don't care. That's a part of being light. I just let go. You know? There's not a level of apathy. There's a level of concern and awareness. But to each his own, live and let live. Yeah. Is there anybody particular that you want to plan on working on in the future? Uh, I don't know. Solo stuff you working on? Any instrumental albums? Any it's been done. I turned it in already. I, I turned it in uh, in February. Okay, so like, okay, so like, are you like ahead of Mellow Music? Like, are you like one of the like? I guess. What's your role? In yeah, what's your role in Mellow? Cause I'm just an artist. Oh, okay. I'm okay. just an artist. So Because it's like when I think of Mellow, I always think of like you and like Apollo Brown as like the forefront of like. We were, just one of the, we were just some of the earliest artists okay. on the label, yeah. but I'm, I'm just an artist. It's not metal. It's not metal music without artists. Like I oh, always thought. I, it that I appreciate way. that. It's a, it's a great label. I, I, what I think is good about it is that that diversity of, of the label. You know, there's so many different artists that appeal to so many different demographics. It doesn't focus on spoon feeding one sound on one person or one sound to multiple groups of people. Everybody can kind of get their favorite out of metal music. You got boom bap. You got yeah. I mean, you get whatever type of flavor you. Right. I mean, you know, easily been one of my yeah. favorite groups. I mean, the, my favorite labels in the last like five, six yeah. plus years. Yeah, Mellow Music Group has mastered quantity and quality, which is a very hard thing to do. Yeah, yeah. yeah. especially today. Yeah, <laughs> today's yeah. hip hop, you know, yeah. it, it's, it's very tough, man. Yeah. It's like really tough. So. Yeah. You, you you much for reader? Yeah, I try to be. I'm, I've been on audiobooks. These audiobooks, days. real? Yeah. I'm racing the technology, man. You know, I, again, I. Uh, <laughs> well, my job has been embracing audiobooks a lot. You know what it is, man? I'm maximizing my time. Right, yeah, yeah, definitely. You know, I, I'm spending so much time in a moving vehicle or having to do something else that I. As a, you know, there's different learning styles. Yeah. Since school, I've never been good at dictation. You know, I consider myself an intelligent human being, but according to the school system, I wasn't. You know, and I struggled because I couldn't read something in in a, in a textbook and just regurgitate. But if it was said to me, I would surpass my peers because that's the way I process information. Right. So although I do love reading when I have the time to be relaxed and there's not a million things going in my mind, I'm far better to digest it what I'm hearing. I hear it. I'm cooking dinner or riding my bike to go to the grocery store and there's an audiobook playing in the back of my headphones. I can go home and tell my wife every single thing that I heard like that. That's dope. Yeah. That's crazy. People yeah. process stuff different. Yeah. yeah. I'm looking at traffic and yeah. like this with it. My ears is listening to this book. Yeah. And when she goes home, she tells me, you know, what'd you read today? And, you know, so like I, I just process it better. What about podcasts? You know what, man? I love podcasts, but I don't listen to podcasts. I really want to. I think I'm overwhelmed and scared of the world of podcasts. There's so many. I just got Apple uh, Music and just figured out how to download the playlist to save to my phone if I use it without it. I'm just learning. Like, I move so quick. You're trying to keep up with this. I move so quick that I don't have a lot of time for other things. People always ask me, when's your next show? When? I don't know anything. My manager knows my schedule. You know, my wife knows more about my day-to-day life than I do. You know, my booking agency knows my shows. Mellow Music Group knows the release schedule. I just get calls. You come here, show up here at this time. You do this on this day. This record's coming out on this time. We need you to do this interview. I don't know nothing until it's told to me. You know? 
How's a, how, wait, wait, wait. How's a life like that though? Like just not really having complete control of like what you're doing what you're on a day-to-day -day basis. Like, cause I'm trying to. When you were saying, I was trying to picture that. You know what I mean? Like if somebody. I was just waiting on the phone call, like, yo, you gotta be here. I'm like, okay, cool. All right, now you gotta be here. Like, sure. Because I, I pretty much make my own schedule. You know sure. what I'm saying? So, yeah. Well, it's interesting. There's yeah. a level of both. Mm -hmm. The schedule is, in the, in the end, made by me. Yeah. Uh, as, I, as I told uh, my manager, I said, Dan, I wanna do this amount of shows in 2015. He said, all right. Well, let's schedule to do it between this time and this time. Cool. So I know between September and December, I'm unavailable. I'm on the road. Now the details, I can't overwhelm myself with that. Right, right. But I know I'm unavailable on that okay. time. Then my wife will say, um, such and such is getting married on this week in <laughs> spring. You can't do, don't book no shows on this. Right, right. I said, sweetheart, do me a favor, just tell Dan. Dan, such and such, all right. So Dan knows. Now when that week comes, I have completely forgot about that week. But it's, it's I made the decision to say yes or no. I made the decision to say I'm unavailable, available at this time. You know, He'll tell me, do you want to do interviews when you're in the North American tour? I say, okay, cool. What do you think about this interview with these guys? Who is the dead end? I was like, okay, let's do it. Now by the time we got here, one, I did not know I was doing an interview. He said, one, you got an interview two, when you do sound check. One, okay, two, but I already approved check, it. One, I could have said no. could have said no two, months ago. One, two, you know, so there's one, still... Two, I'm in co one, control two, of the bigger the things, but the smaller one, details I can't be worried about. You know? Yeah, yeah, I feel you. I'm kind of the same. Man, my wife does the same thing. Yo, we got this. You know? I'll be lost without it, man. I'll be lost without it, man. Yeah, because I forget. Like, I forget. I got so much, much like you, I got a lot racing through my head. Man brain, bro. Yeah. man brain. Yeah, I mean, and I do with that too. I always try to get my wife to help me remember certain things too. I can put it on my schedule as much as I want to, but I may forget to look at it, look at my calendar, and I'm like, yo, can you help me? You forgot about this. Exactly. You know what I'm talking about. I forgot about this. I, I, I can relate a lot, a lot. We had something Friday that I completely forgot about. Yeah. You know, I forgot about this interview. <laughs> B, B reminded me. So, yeah, I, yeah. see? Literally football game man. back here, you know, so yeah, I, I can relate. I can relate. I can relate. It's all the same. It's no yeah. different than any other type of life, you know. Yeah, yeah. Apple music. Streaming service. How do you feel about streaming? Love it. You do? I love streaming. It's great. It allows people to get introduced to music without the fear of purchasing it. You know, they're, 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 they're now more willing to take risk to listen to new music. Uh, whereas, you know, otherwise they wouldn't because they would have had to buy that music. So now you're getting the best of both worlds. People don't really understand. As long as your music is registered, you will make money from streaming. There's an agency called Sound Exchange that is the ASCAP of the digital world. That they, as long as your music is registered, they collect streaming revenue from YouTube, SoundCloud, anything that's streaming your music that you think you just click on it and it's free, mm -hmm. we're being paid for that as long as you register that music. Then you take a percentage, you get a percentage of subscription base on a lot of streaming sites mm -hmm. that's designated to that artist depending on how many streams they get. So you're, you're taking a percentage of the subscription base, then you're also getting paid through royalty collecting agencies or you're publishing. It's myself, I'm registered on ASCAP, SoundCloud, I have a publishing deal. I'm, I get 
a quarterly statement every every uh, two to three months from my digital collecting agency straight to my phone that says this is how much money you made wow. from streaming and these are the songs that generated the most and it's direct deposit into my bank account and I can count on that every time from streaming revenue yeah. and it's collecting from every song I've ever made every song for my entire career that's on the internet is being is collecting from, from it so just don't fear it learn about it embrace it and use it to your advantage right. unsandexchange.com they have a list from a to z of artists who they owe money to and if you sign you can type your name in on the search engine that's how i found out because they owe me money wow and my man was like you know you're on this list and i looked i was like oh my god i'm on this list they owe me money so let me sign up for it Almost, there, there's somewhere around a billion dollars in money that's sitting, sitting there. That if you sign up and register, they will send you a check. But people, it's, that's how much artists haven't collected their royalties. Uneducated. It's probably, you know what? It's all of you guys that's labeling the album uh, EP. From my understanding, if you don't collect your royalties within two years of them holding it for you, they donated to charity. Any artist who got something registered on YouTube or SoundCloud or anything, go on there and check out. We need to go on there. Yeah, I finally signed up for Apple Music because, you know, I like the one ecosystem of Apple. Um, and, you know, I bought, like, the bulk of your albums on Bandcamp. Yeah. I stream them on that for music. So, you know, get that money, man. So, you know, and, and so, yeah, and, and that's what I like about it because, you know, I think, like you said, it reduces the friction of discovery. Yeah. You know, and people can actually discover and listen to, you know, the music. Yeah. So, I mean, through Apple Music, I just would been Download records and listen to it. Yeah, I learned. I heard uh, the summer '06 album from Vince Staples uh, a couple days ago because I was just looking for new rap. I'm in love with that album. That that album was crazy. He had a line about saying "nigga" to a whole crowd in France, and how does that make him feel? That they repeated after him, and then he knows that they're saying all of this, but they won't even touch or go anywhere near where he's from. And he said that in a line, and I was like. That that was the reason yeah. why I, I didn't use profanity in a good fight because I started feeling like a monkey on stage in a whole white audience saying nigga, mm. like it just started fucking with me, eating away mm. at my soul. I still cuss like a sailor, but I just won't do it on record right, no right. more because I can't look out into this all white crowd and I'm like motherfucker this and nigga that and yeah. and, and, and and the hip hop demographic is getting older and we have kids that are growing up and I know yeah, homies that true. homies that want to listen to this stuff and they call with their kids and they can't. And I can't. Yeah, I do that all. So it was that side, and then looking at it, I was like, cussing is actually making me lose money. <laughs> if I have clean versions, I don't need to edit them, so more radio can play it. Yeah. Then it's more friendly for licensing, because I don't have to make uh, edited versions. Lo and behold, licensing money through the roof on a good fight. And I was like, cussing was making me lose money. Mm. I'm still, I still cuss, mm. but I'm not doing it in record no more. <laughs> like, sure this is the first time I've actually talked about it in an interview. We didn't want to make it part of the market. This is not a high horse, I'm on a pedestal. I didn't cuss. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't care about people cussing. It was just, I wanted people to not notice. I think I was like one of the only people that noticed that Lupe didn't cuss on Food and Liquor. Yeah, yeah. It was just like that maybe one song, he, he let one go and that was it. Yeah, Out of the entire yeah. album. Yeah. You ever picked that up on the Lupe? I never noticed that. Food and Liquor, go back. Food and liquor. I yeah. never noticed yeah. All it takes is one white European to come up to you and say, what's up, my nigga, and you'll, you'll right. change your tune. Yeah. And they don't know better. It's Wait, not their that, fault. You said that happened? 
It happens all the time. Damn. I, I, I know by you like, touring and stuff. I know my, my wife is <laughs> my wife is Moroccan. Okay. We're born and raised in Paris. They don't understand the racial connotation of the word. Mm. So they use it as a term of just what's up my nigga amongst Arabs, mm -hmm. um, African immigrants to, 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 to France. Well, I had to explain to my, my Arab North African wife, sweetheart, you can't use the N-word over here. It's like, why not? Are y'all saying in all of y'all songs? You know, my wife is from the hood. My wife is from the projects in France. She grew up in a hood with West Africans, people from the French Caribbean. Arabs over there are like the Hispanic community over here. They hood like us. You know, they come from the same circumstances, so we kind of give them a pass sometimes when using the N-word. I know we do that in D.C. Because she didn't understand. It's like, sweetheart, you can't say that over here. And she didn't understand. And all her homies, what's up, my nigga? Like, that is crazy. And they got it from us. And they don't understand why they're not allowed to say it. They're like, well, we from the hood. <laughs> right, right. I'm a nigga too. Right, I'm a nigga too. I'm a nigga too. I'm on, I'm on welfare. I, I'm from a, a, a project. You know, I grew up with that struggle. And I relate to this music because it tells my story. My, 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 my wife's family can understand that story. They come from, you know, North Africa and they came to France to, to make a living. And they, they are on government assistance and they, they found their way. And so they whole neighborhood is the same way. But they not allowed to use that word. And then they, I was like, I gotta take this word out because it's causing too much of a problem. <laughs> <Right>. like, <laughs> that's, 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 that's crazy, yeah. dude. That's crazy, you know, yeah. mind blowing. Yeah. Yeah. I'm a nigga too. Yeah. I'm a nigga too. I'm a nigga too. That's gonna last right. for the mess Think with about me. It. I, I am, I am. There are other hoods in the world, yo, yeah. that's not black. Yeah. There's Russian hoods, there's yeah. Czech hoods, there's you know, gypsies, there's North African hoods, there's Arab hoods. And they relate to our music. They ride around listening to our music because it tells their story. Right, exactly. All of them Yeah. 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 Yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. They don't teach them slavery. They don't know the double standard of the word. You know, you're just taking that word and, you know, like right now it's like that word, I'm a nigga too, is what's sticking with me. And the way we kind of, you know, listen, bro. My mother's African American. My father's Sudanese. My mother came here as a result of slavery. My father came here on an airplane. My Sudanese family in Africa move here, come here, and they say, nigga. And you say, I'm black. I'm from Africa. I can't say nigga. I personally feel that if you didn't come here from the, uh, from, the, the from the diaspora through slavery, you're not a nigga. If you don't have a descendant in your family that was brought through slavery, you don't understand that term and you shouldn't be able to use it. That's my personal philosophy. Mm. Think about that. But my African cousins, born and raised in Sudan, use the words all the time. All the time. With each other. They're black, they're from Africa. But they, they, they're not the product of slavery. My family are Nubians. They built the pyramids. They're not slaves. You know? But they use the word just like we do. They come here, they move into our neighborhoods just like me. I'm from Prince George's County, Maryland. That is an all-black county, majority black county. It's a suburb of Washington, D.C. I lived there with my Sudanese father and my Sudanese stepmother. And a lot of other Sudanese people moved in that area. And they grew up assimilated into black culture. So, so my niggas. You know? Where's the line drawing? Like, it, it's just too confusing oh, for me. I know. <laughs> through hip-hop culture, you're able to identify, you know, because of the struggles that you're going through over there, you're able to identify, and which is why you like hip-hop culture, you're able to identify that, 
and you relate to the word nigga because of that, not understanding the contents or the meaning behind the word, but it still applies to you in some kind of way, you know, and you are, you are able to relate to hip hop culture and the struggle through that word. Yeah. Man. Yeah. Man, yeah. that's, yeah. that's wild. Yeah. That's wild. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's wild. Like, me and my wife talk about it all the time. It's like, why can't I say it? Like, because like, I'm in the house saying it when my friends would come over. And she's like, oh. <laughs> she goes, that's not Hilarious. I appreciate you. Thank you, man. That was good. That was very good, man. I appreciate it. Appreciate you, man. Thank you, man.